I'm Gary Brightman, and this is my weekly podcast called Vibrations. Established in 2018, Vibe is a book and music shop situated in Moi Wo on Lantau Island in Hong Kong. I finished the Vibe podcast last December, just before my 60th birthday. Not for any reason other than it was a very busy month for the shop and me personally. I gave an interview and a photo shoot to Greenpeace regarding the Lantau Tomorrow Vision and new land reclamation off of Lantau. An interview with Ming Pao Daily along similar lines that was published in their daily newspaper last Sunday in Chinese. There's a link to it on my website under media. And finally, an interview with Moiwo Plus. I don't normally say no to media attention, figuring it's all good exposure for the shop. Sales at Vibe were good over Christmas, and I'm sure families wanted to end the year on a high note and with new hope for 2021 going forward. For the first time, Vibe was open on Christmas Day, Boxing Day and New Year's Day, thanks to Caroline. We continue to maintain high standards of hygiene at Vibe, with weekly cleans, mandatory temperature testing and mask wearing, and hand sanitizer available. Over Christmas and New Year, as always, we managed to fit in a lot of walks with friends and our three dogs, Wilson, Jack and Millie. And I discovered my new favourite walks are around the Chima Wan Peninsula and along the West Dog's Teeth Walk, giving spectacular views over South China Sea, Moiwo and Poyo coastlines. Last year I read 16 books, one after the other, as I've always done throughout my life, which is not nearly enough books given I run a bookshop. I have bookshelves at home full of good books waiting to be read. No, I don't do e-books. Why should I? So this year, my New Year's resolution is to read books three at a time in a vain hope of increasing the number to 30 books a year. In case you're interested, this is the list of books I read last year. Lantau Life, A Year on Lantau Island by Charmian Woodhouse, A Small Band of Men by Les Bird, Diary of a Bookseller by Sean Bithell, Confessions of a Bookseller by Sean Bithell. Destination Shanghai by Paul French. Bloody Saturday by Paul French. Tiger Hunters of Taiyo by John Secchi. Hello Darlings biography by Kenny Everett. Born to Run biography by Bruce Springsteen. Yamamoto by Eric Lowe. Tuesdays with Mori by Mitch Albom. The Five People You Meet in Heaven by Mitch Albom. My Autobiography by Guy Martin. Hitchhiking to Hong Kong by Tom Gorman. Old Hong Kong Photos and the Tales They Tell by David Bellis. And finally, Going Solo by Roald Dahl. For my podcast, I like to interview similar types of people in a row. Themes, if you like. Moiwo retailers, female musicians, artists. And so, for the next few weeks, I'd like to interview ex-colonial policemen, whom I'm lucky to count as friends. This week's interview is with the author of A Small Band of Men, Les Bird. Les joined the Royal Hong Kong Police in 1976 and worked in the Marine Police for more than 20 years until June 1997. Originating from Staffordshire in the UK, Bird's work was diverse. In the late 1970s, he was a rural inspector of West Lantau. In the early 80s, he returned to launch-going duties, overseeing the influx of tens of thousands of Vietnamese refugees in the years that followed. Among other duties, he also headed the SBU, the Marine Fast Pursuit Unit, combating cross-border smuggling of people, arms, drugs and luxury cars. Born in 1951, Les was the second from his family to serve Hong Kong. 
His father was part of the British Royal Navy force that came to Hong Kong in August 1945 at the end of the Japanese military occupation and subsequently helped in the policing of the territory throughout 1946. After leaving the police in 1997, Les worked in private security throughout Southeast Asia, spending 10 years in Thailand. He is an endurance athlete and has taken part in Ironman events and long-distance triathlons worldwide. He represented Great Britain at the 2009 Ironman World Championship. In 2011, he swam the English Channel and in 2012, summited Mont Blanc. Les is also a founding member and chairman of Asia's Rhinos Rugby Club. He is married with two daughters. Okay, so we're here today in Vibe with Les Bird. Welcome, Les. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. My favourite bookshop. So we're going to start, as we always do, with uh, 10 quick questions just to warm us up. So first question is, what's your favourite book or author? As with everyone, we're going to say there's many, um, but my favourite book has to be The Count of Monte Cristo by Alexander Dumas. Okay, yeah. Uh, The main reason is it was that book at school that got me into reading. Um, I was given the book by um, obviously a teacher and told to read some of it um, because there was going to be an exam on on chapter one or chapter two, and I couldn't put it down. I just read the whole thing. Uh, I'd never read a book, yeah, a, a pretty sort of hefty-looking book, ever, and I was just completely enveloped by the whole story. And after I finished that, I started wanting to read another thing, and so <laughs> I, I became a, a sort of like a, a keen reader of books. So yeah, it, it was that book that actually kicked it all off. That's so interesting. So it's sort of stuck in my memory. It's not actually my favourite book, but but yeah. it, it's it's not it's it's a, an important, significant book to me. Yeah. And my, both my kids have read it as well because of what I, I keep yeah. banging on about <laughs> it, and they love it too. All right, and your favourite musical artist. Oh, that's an easy one. That's uh, Toa, T-O-W-A, Bird. Um, she's a professional um, guitarist, rock guitarist. Uh, you can see her on YouTube. Uh, the reason she's on YouTube is because she's in lockdown in London at the moment and can't perform on stage. She's been making a lot of um, uh, YouTube videos and she's also become something of a TikTok um, yeah. star, um, which we can't see in Hong Kong, but you can if you're not in Hong Kong. Um, uh, she, uh, she's my daughter, by the way. I did wonder. <laughs> I didn't say anything. I was <laughs> you, you figured out with the name. Yes. Uh, she, she's in a band in London um, uh, who, were, who were becoming quite successful uh, when, when COVID arrived and the lockdown. And your preferred drink? I'm, 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 once again, I'm biased because uh, my family, <laughs> my family are connected to a brewery in, in, ah. in the UK. Um, okay. And it's believe it or not, it's called Bird's Brewery, <laughs> and it's in Staffordshire, um, and they make um, pale ale and mild ale. Oh, nice! Um, and so that that has to be my favourite drink. Yeah. Okay. Bird's bitter. Bird's bitter. Yeah. All right. Do you have a life motto? Not really, no. But I think um, something that stuck with me when I was a kid at school, um, we were forced to do trampolining as a as a sport. Um, and, and being sort of long and gangly, I, I wasn't particularly very good at it. And my teacher said to me, you can do this, a somersault, forward and backward somersault, if you have the courage of your convictions. And I just remember that that saying, 
and I've applied yeah. that to an awful lot of things um, I've done in life. If, you, if you're brave enough to take that step and, and try and do something that you think possibly uh, oh, that's beyond me or whatever, but if you really, really try it, it, you'd be surprised how often it works. So having the courage to, to actually take that next step, have the courage of your convictions is something that I've always remembered from school. Do you have a favourite Hong Kong walk? I do, actually. Um, it's on the south south side of Lantau Peak and it's called the West Dog's Teeth, an eight-kilometre walk along a ridge. Uh, it's about, it's, I think it's 600 metres up. Uh, and you walk along a ridge and you, you walk towards, from, from the west, towards uh, Lantau Peak and on your right you can see the South China Sea and on the left you can see the west side of Lantau, uh, of Lantau. and uh, it's quite steep on either side and it, it's spectacular views. Okay, alright, thanks for that and favourite Hong Kong restaurant? I've become very far, you know the old central police station has been um, converted into um, sort of an entertainment centre uh, yeah. called Tycoon. On the third floor of the actual police station building is a restaurant called Madame Fu, F-U, Madame Fu's, it's Chinese food and I go there a lot, okay. I, I love it. And it's also, I, I worked at central police station for a very, very brief period of time and that room where the, uh, the the actual restaurant is used to be the registry office where all the secretaries and the filing cabinets and all the old yeah. files used to be kept. So it's actually Brilliant. quite quite interesting because now it's a, a spectacular uh, looking restaurant and it's, it's decked out in, 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 in wonderful colours. And I sit in there and I can still see the, all the old filing cabinets <laughs> around me. That's amazing. How cool is that? That's fantastic. <laughs> and I, I love to see people sort of... Um, posing in there and having their photographs taken and I think you, you actually don't know <laughs> yeah yeah if you were in here th 40, 40 years, years ago, ago yeah wouldn't be for the same reasons no. <laughs> so here's an off the wall one um, faced with a python whilst walking up to the peak what would you do oh um, uh, I think what I'd probably do is I would take a photograph of it for a start um, I would uh, watch where it goes and then I would contact a chap called uh, William, Sargent. William Sargent who yep. is the snake man yep. um, in, in the hope that he would catch it and, and ensure that it was okay. Yeah, what was the best advice you were given? Upon joining Marine, never, never piss into the wind. <laughs> and it, it always worked. Finish this sentence. I live in Hong Kong because... Because it's home. Um, I've been here for nearly 45 years so arrived in 1976 um, and I feel comfortable here I, I know the place I know we've had trouble over the past couple of years but that that, uh, that and and what's happened as a consequence doesn't bother me at all um, uh, I, I just know the place so well and uh, I always come back here yeah I, I just love the place yeah it's my home What's your favourite area of Hong Kong? Well, well there are many, actually. Um, I, I seem to sort of gravitate towards the, the rural areas. Um, mm. But Tai O, because I lived there um, as a young man uh, when I first came to Hong Kong, and you always sort of remember your youth as yeah. being, as being um, more interesting than, than, <laughs> than life now. Uh, but I've always kept uh, uh, an attachment for Tayo, and a lot of things happened when I was living there um, because I was the police inspector. 
um, in an interesting time. And uh, I've got so many fond memories. And you, you can actually go back there, and it hasn't really changed that much if you know where to look. It's like a time machine. I can go back and wander around 1970s Tayo and, and know what you know, and, and remember little things like you turn a corner and you remember if, uh, something that happened here or you know, the people right. who used to live there and, and actually some of the people who used to live there are still there in their 80s uh, and so I can actually sit down with some of them and <laughs> who still remember me after a bit of sort of you remember me and, and, uh, and have a chat and see how they are that, so it's, it's, it's amazing it's, it's, it's yeah. a bit of a t an old time machine for me what made you choose to come to Hong Kong in the first place? Um, it, it, I come from a, a family of Royal Naval people. My dad was in the Royal Navy. Um, his three brothers were all in the Royal Navy, and my grandfather was in the Royal Navy. So it was sort of expected for me to... Well, not expected, but I, 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 I was intending to join the RN. Um, and But at the time, in the 70s, the Royal Navy was such that you... If you joined, there was no guarantee of an overseas posting. You could end up being in an office in Portsmouth for, for 10 years. And, of course, when you're a young man in your early 20s, you want to get out there and you want to do things and want yeah. to see the world. The alternative was to join the Royal Hong Kong Police. And I looked into it and um, I saw that there was a marine division. And I thought, if I go for that, that would be quite good. And then I found out that my actual my father was... Here, posted here into in Hong Kong in 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 1945. He was part of the um, the uh, Admiral Harcourt staff, uh, and he was here for nearly two years, 1945 and 1946, uh, helping rebuild Hong Kong um, or, or put it back together, um, get it back on its feet. Mm. So there was a family tie, mm. um, Hong Kong, and there was a Marine division, and I thought. I'd prefer to come and see the Orient uh, rather than risk staying at home, which I didn't want to do. I wanted to get out and I wanted to see the world. And so I, mm. I replied and I got accepted and, and that's how I came here in 1976. So as you say, you arrived back in the mid... Uh, you, you arrived here, first of all, around 1976. What was Lantau Island like in, in the mid-70s? I, I think... Um, I've looked into this because doing research for my book, and I think in the 1970s it was very, very similar to the 1960s, the 1950s, and it it changed quite dramatically, I think, or not what well, it changed a lot in the 1980s when Hong Kong boomed and it became a, a huge financial hub, um, uh, you know, and the airport was built. But in the 1970s it was very, very quiet. It was old colonial style, um, certainly living out at Tayo. There was no finished road between Muiwo and Tayo in the, when I was there. Um, so it took, it, it took about, uh, and then the ferry, the only ferry was from uh, central to Muiwo, which took an hour. And then you'd have about a three hour journey to Tayo. So uh, we were absolutely isolated out there. In fact, Tayo is nearer to Macau than it is to Central, I don't know if you know <laughs> that. Uh, but, no. um, and then I was living at the police station, which is another further mile out past the village, yeah. and there's no road, so you, that was another walk. So we were really 
in the boondocks uh, <laughs> out on her own and um, there was there was none of the communications that we have today so it was yeah. like an outpost when, when I when I first came here so it was it was it was very much similar lifestyle to the 1950s right type of thing um, yeah we didn't get visitors we had to sort things out on our own um, my orders arrived usually a day late in an old satchel um, <laughs> written on a piece of paper, a tight piece of paper, and then I would action the orders and then type up a reply and then send it back um, the following day. So um, uh, we did have one uh, um, telephone line which uh, didn't work when it was raining and that was the only l link to the outside world. Wow. Wow, and and so you say that it took one hour to get from Central to Moiwo, but then a further three hours to get from Moiwo to Tayo. Yeah. So how were you making that journey? We had two Land Rovers, okay, um, a long wheelbase and a short wheelbase attached to the station, and the short wheelbase was my own runaround. Right. So we would usually drive, um, but it was a quite a hazardous drive. Then there was no paved road, so you'd be driving along a a, a narrow dirt road yeah. with drops on the onto the left and and the right so it was really really very it was a slow journey yeah um we often had to stop because if another vehicle was coming the other way you the two of you would have to do a dance of trying yeah. to figure out how to you're going to because there wasn't any passing places right um and it, it just took an awfully long time. What was yeah. good about that was that no one used to bother me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. The bosses yeah. from police headquarters would yeah. say, Tayo, no, it would take us four hours to get there and four hours back. That means we're only going to be there for five minutes, so <laughs> yeah. we won't bother. And what was Tayo like back in those days? Was it a, f a thriving fishing Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, I think it had a population of around about three to 4,000 in those days, and the main industry was fishing. There was no tourism, uh, so you, you didn't get that weekend crush uh, that you do now. Um, of course, there was the old Tyre rope ferry. There was no actual connection yes. between the island itself, where the police station is, and the main village and the main island. Uh, so you, you know that was another another delay was the walk from the yeah. police station into the village and then across yeah. on the ferry in, onto the. Tayo uh, onto Lantau main, yeah. mainland uh, and then you had to walk another sort of 20-15 minutes to find my jeep which was, the, the par which was parked outside the village yeah. uh, so Lantau sorry uh, Tayo was very much a sleepy uh, village generally that, that closed down around about 8 o'clock at night everything was closed Okay. and then it came to life at about 3-4 in the morning when the fishing fleet right. came in yeah, uh, and it became usually busy for most yeah. of the morning with the fish trading. What was your view of Moiwo back in those days? Was that well, Moiwo was the was the big city for me? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was Excellent. very similar to it is to yeah. what it is now actually. Uh, okay, um, there was shops. Yeah, um, and uh, I would occasionally come down here. One of the other police inspectors on the island was staying at. Moiwo Police Station, living at Moiwo Police Station. Which so, was in the same place? Same place, yeah, yeah uh, on the hill there. Um, mm. So I would come down here um, uh, once or twice a week just, just for someone to talk to. Moving on, to, so you and I really kind of know each other through your first book. 
um, and and a talk you did here over 12 months ago now I think yeah. um, at the time you know we we took the book on I read it I, I think I had to read it before your talk I can't remember whether you insisted or not but <laughs> actually I couldn't put it down once I started reading it and actually I would say it was the best book I'd read last year um, and I read probably 20 books a year which which isn't perhaps a lot for a bookshop owner but um, but anyway thoroughly enjoyed the book um, perhaps you can just tell people a little bit about what the book's about and how it came about maybe yeah I uh, it's about uh, my well it's about several things uh, 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 my career in the Marine Police uh, started in 1976 and then I left in 1997 uh, just before the handover so my career was the last tw if you like 21 years of colonial British rule in Hong Kong by co purely by coincidence mm -hmm. um, and so I, when writing the book, when writing my sort of memoir, I, I also wanted to capture that era, which changed dramatically afterwards. And uh, I, I didn't want that time to be forgotten, if you like. And, and yeah. I, through my own memories, I was able to um, re recall most of the, the historical issues that were going on in that era. Um, and I, and I just wanted to capture that era in the book. So it, it's not so much a memoir. It's more also um, a 20-year history of, of, of what was happening in Hong Kong. And, of mm. course, being a, uh, an operational police officer, I was involved in a lot of the, the key things that were going on, like the influx of Vietnamese refugees um, after the end of the war in 1975. There was a big influx of Vietnamese into Hong Kong, and, and I was at the front of, of dealing with, with that. Then there was a cross-border smuggling by Daifei, the, the big, the big uh, uh, speedboats that, that were, were purpose-built for theft in Hong Kong and, and, and transport. So that was a big issue too. So the, the book is, is full of stuff like that. Yeah. And, uh, but it's more than a memoir. It's, 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 it's a book about an era. Yeah. yeah. And a book about people as well that, that, that were in the police force in a very colourful time really and sure. I think quite perhaps different to what people would expect and experience it back in the UK. Um, sure, you, well I tell the stories through those people, um, hmm. through the people I met, through the people I worked with um, and they a lot of them were old colonials. Um, uh, uh, all my, when I first joined in 19... 76 all the old boys who were the bosses if you like the senior guys had been in Hong Kong since the end of the war so they their methods and their way of dealing with things and their uh, in the chain of command was very old-fashioned it was it was it yeah. was like old British army style yeah way of doing things okay. rather than you know the modern day policing that you see um, uh, around the world today so it, it was more old colonial style and it was interesting for me because um, I, it, when I arrived I, I had to go to the police training school for nine months obviously to be taught what to do and you're taught, you're taught how to do things by the book and then mm. when I graduated and went to work for these old colonial guys of course they, <laughs> they'd never even read the book yeah. let alone thrown the book over the side <laughs> 
um, so there was two ways of doing things yeah. do, do, do you do things the way you've been taught or do you follow the guy who's your senior now your senior officer so it was an odd dynamic trying to f fathom my way through the um, through the way of doing things properly yeah without sounding like a complete know-it-all or a newbie that was you know kind of um yeah immediately trying to put yourself on the opposite Absolutely. side of them yeah. yeah yeah very tough i would imagine I, actually i didn't um perhaps appreciate that 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 it was the people that had come through the war that are then yeah, yeah i mean a lot of the senior officers in in hong kong when i joined had gone through the colonial police service because as they'd served as military during the war. At the end of the war, they joined the colonial police service and gone to serve in places like Fiji, Uganda. And, and as those colonies closed down and were, were, were gained independence, they moved on. Yeah. Like, for example, yeah. um, the commissioner of police when I joined, uh, Roy Henry, he'd been a soldier in, in, in the Second World War. Yeah. Uh, he'd been uh, in, in the Ugandan police force and he'd, he'd served in the Fijian police force before he came to Hong Kong. So wow. he, he arrived with about five different, different yeah. ways of doing yeah. things. And he was typical of the senior officers we, 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 we had in the police at that time. Are there any plans for a second book? Yeah, yeah. I, after the first book came out and there was all the hoo-ha of the marketing and the the talks and the excitement of being a, a published author mm. I thought that's it I don't want to do that again that was too much tick <laughs> yeah. yeah tick done that yeah. but it's funny you know after you after you sort of have a rest for a while and, yeah. uh, and you, you start to think oh, why didn't I include that story why didn't I include that and someone will yeah. send me a story do you remember do you remember when we did this and I think oh I should have put that in um, and, and now I've got I've now got more than half a book finished. Okay. Um, and I don't know, it might work. Um, same sort of thing, same era, um, and a lot of the same people. Um, yeah. So it'll be a continuation. You know, it's one of our top sellers in this shop in Vibe, and I know across Hong Kong as well. I think a lot of people would enjoy that, enjoy the way that you write, that the way you research books. Um, it, it's very. It comes across as very sort of natural and it fills in a lot of the gaps of you kind of knew what was happening in those days but you didn't know what was happening behind the scenes mm, mm. and and this puts a name on those scenes yeah, i think research is key um to this it, it you know it's great having your own memories and and writing it up exactly as you remember it but then you have to research what you've written to make sure you've got the time the date the place the people the exact way it happened and it took me about a year to research the, that book, um, Small Band of right. um, um because I wanted to get, it was so, so important, because it, as I said earlier, it's capturing an era and, and everything has to be absolutely spot on, because if, it, if it's not, then it's not real. What's happened since the book um, certainly went to the UK and, and, and it's done quite well there too. Uh, a lot of the people I used to work with who I haven't been in touch with and haven't seen and didn't even know where they were have been in touch saying, yeah. oh, I remember that, you know, really enjoyed your book, I enjoyed that particular story, I was there with you, do you remember this and do you remember yeah. that? And, and they've added to, um, the, you know, to, to each, each particular story yeah. and, 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 and then it knocks on to something else. And, and so I've been able to um, compile more, more and more stories. 
and of course re rekindle all these relationships that yeah. people I, I worked with and, and enjoyed being with but haven't seen for 30 years and they're still uh -huh. knocking around. How, how are you getting on in COVID-19 times? Um, not, not too bad. Um, you know, you, I, comp I always compare how we do in Hong Kong compared with overseas, you know. Yes. Um, it, it, I think we, I don't know, is lucky the right word or smart? I don't know. Yeah, uh, both. The, I, think, I think the precautions that were taken here in Hong Kong when it, when it all kicked off were the right, right thing to do. Um, obviously, the, the restrictions on travel are starting to get at me. Uh, initially, it didn't bother me because I had so much to do here with the book. Mm. Um, so I've busied, my, busied myself with that. But uh, I've got two uh, grown-up daughters who I haven't seen for now for a year. Uh, so that's getting to me a little bit. Yeah, uh, I can imagine. Um, so, yeah, like everyone else, really, um, mm. the, the travel restrictions is an issue, um, mm. and uh, obviously the closures of, of places and having to wear a mask and all that sort of stuff is, is not exactly ideal. But yeah, I think yeah. we are better off here than than in most places. I understand that you are working on four other presentations at the moment. Um, you, you made a great presentation here a year ago, which was about the Vietnamese boat people. Right. Um, what other things yeah. are you working on then? Um, well, basically, what, when, what, what I did when I was a young police ins marine police inspector is I always carried a camera in my kit bag. Mm. And when circumstances permitted, I would take a few shots. And consequently, I've got a library of about three, four hundred photographs that I took throughout my career. Um, and what I'd like to do is I put together four presentations of these pictures and I talk through them or over them and present them um, and I put them into four categories. Uh, there's the one I did here along the southern boundary which was the um, influx of Vietnamese um, yeah. th between the 70s and 80s. Um, I've just finished one about the Dai Fei era which was the cross-border criminal smuggling mm. by high-power speedboat. Uh, I, I commanded the unit that was tasked to stop that. Yeah. Um, so I did that for three years. Um, so I've got a huge amount of photographs connected with that. So that's another presentation talk. Yeah. Um, I've done quite a, and it, I think it's my favorite one. It's about my two years at Tayo in the 1970s. Mm. I, by chance, I did take some photographs back then, um, right. and uh, I, 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 I found enough material to talk about for an hour about 1970s living in Tayo and, yeah. and life on Lantau in the 1970s. Uh, so I think that's quite interesting. Yeah. And the fourth one is a talk about my book, um, which I okay. do in conversation with Anne Marie Evans of uh, RTHK's Anne Marie Evans. Um, we did that talk for the Hong Kong Literary Festival um, my book was um, included in the festival and uh, we did that talk to an audience of somewhere about 80 people at Tycoon uh, in November and that seemed to go down very very well indeed um, and so we're off Anne-Marie and I are also offering that talk um, to supplement the book if yeah. you like yeah. okay but I mean for great sort of subjects and I've seen you, you sent me once a number of the photos and I, I just love these photos I mean they're 
you would expect to see them in in films or whatever some exploding boats and uh you know the car in a condom and all these sorts of things <laughs> they're just um yeah. great to see these colonial pictures which are real you know from that era yeah um uh, it's quite amazing actually that the photographs sat in a box which I've carried around with me um, for 30 years. And when I decided to write the book, I spread all the photographs out on the floor in, yeah. in my flat. So it was, it was a huge sort of um, carpet of photographs. Yeah. And I was able to draw a lot of memories by looking at the photographs yeah. and remembering the incidents and the times and, the, yeah. and what happened just by looking at them and the people who were looking back at the camera. And then after the book was published, it, it dawned on me that p other people might want to see these pictures. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so, hence the, the four talks, because yeah. they, they are presentations of these photographs. Yep. And, and I just talk over them, explaining what's happening in each, in each photo. Yeah, yeah. And they're put into to a sequence to make it um, take, take the, the, the viewer through the era of, of that particular topic. Yeah. Okay. I mean, a very important era in Hong Kong, I think. A very, you know, exciting era, a wind-down era as well, as you said earlier. And, uh, you know, I thoroughly look forward to those talks and, and maybe hopefully we can have a few of them here at Vibe as, as well. Absolutely. I do have a website up now. Yeah. Um, it's lesbirdhk.com. Okay. Right. Um, and there's a lot on there about those particular talks there's a lot of photographs on on the on the on the website um and there's just other stuff about uh hong kong in that era because you're now also writing for the magazine aren't you is it fragrant uh, harbor I, 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 yeah i I, yeah. I write for fragrant harbor um uh, about things maritime um yeah. either historical or current uh i'm uh, i'm i've just done a I'm just doing a an article on a former marine police officer who served in or, the water police in 1920s and all his memorabilia has just been found in 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 um wow. in the UK and they've sent it back to marine police headquarters so they're sorting it all out so I'm, I'm writing an article about him and uh all all these memoirs and these his notes and things that that they found it's quite interesting, actually. That just remains for me to say thanks very much, Les Bird, for coming to Vibe and um, updating us on where we are today. It's a pleasure. Pleasure, Gary. Thank you. A reminder that we still have a free box of English and Chinese books and music outside the shop each day, along with $10 books and $20 CDs. We also have plenty of free books still available for helpers, and employees can now pick them up. We have an increasing number of Japanese language books as well as English educational books at all levels. Our new YouTube channel, Live at Vibe HK, is up and running. Just Google it. Our website is at vibehk.com. You can find podcasts, videos, interviews and special offers there. We hope to have more authors, talks and tiny desk gigs at Vibe this year, Covid restrictions permitting. If you want to keep informed of these, either like us on Facebook at Vibe Silvermine Bay or join our emailing list by contacting me directly. Well, that's it for another week. Thanks for listening to the 14th Vibe Book and Music Shop podcast called Vibrations. I'm Gary Brightman. You get my vibe? Can you imagine what this old island must have looked like to those Dutch sailors when they first saw it?
dream of a new world. They must have held their breath. Afraid it would disappear before they could touch it.